Hello there. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Hello there. Welcome to a podcast about Star Wars Shatterpoint and the Star Wars universe. My name is Jesse Aiken. I'm joined by my co-host, Amon Kusro. How are you doing today, Amon? I'm doing great, man. I'm very excited to be here. I'm very glad that, you know, we've embarked on this journey together and super excited. Yeah, man. It is kind of insane, right? Like the game, how this is forming, our excitement for the future of the show, some of our plans, which we're getting into today. The list goes on, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's honestly incredible and the amount of information and hype and energy that we've just seen in the community is honestly unreal and it's really i feel like it's starting to build towards i guess for lack of a better term a shatter point right like (laughs) (laughs) yeah man we've had this plan for some time to do the show and we've been working on behind the scenes for some time i know several people in the community have asked us about our interest in the game several listeners of our respective podcasts which we'll get to shortly have asked us about different things like this too so we're going to cover all that today this is episode one and episode one our goal today is to tell you who we are who is hello there what are our goals for this show what we're going to do with the show and of course our goals with star wars shatterpoint and the star wars greater universe but i think before we get into any of that i'm on we'll jump into our sponsors real quick absolutely Hello There is supported by MrLaser.Square.Site, your resource for everything Shatterpoint. Please check them out. You can get a ton of wargaming stuff there, including games outside of Star Wars Shatterpoint as well. Yeah, and it should come as no surprise, but Amon and I are tenured MCP players, and Mr. Laser has done amazing stuff for the MCP community, and I know he's going to do the same thing for Shatterpoint, so keep an eye on his website. Of course, this show is a brand new show. And we have some lofty goals of what we want to do with our show, with our production, with our business goals, quite frankly. And Mm -hmm. so we've started a Patreon. So we have a Patreon at patreon.com slash hello there cast. If you've never heard of Patreon or anything like that, it's a direct way to support creators and artists with the amount that you choose. So if you enjoy our show, maybe consider supporting us there and you'll get access to our Discord community immediately when you join the Patreon. And we don't have any patrons yet, Amon, but we will thank any future patrons potentially right now for their future support because we do want to make this a big thing going forward. And I think if any of the listeners know our previous shows, they know kind of our goals for what we want to do with this brand new show. Yeah. And speaking of goals, we have some lofty goals and expectations for this podcast. And Mm. primarily this, you know, our goal is to make this the highest level of content that we can possibly create, right? I mean, you've done some amazing things with your podcast, as have I. And what we'd love to do is just take it to the next level. And I think, you know, our patrons, our future patrons can help us get there. No, absolutely. And this is the ground floor. And we have a lot of, this game's got a lot of places to go that are clearly planned by the company. (laughs) And we want to go alongside them and help the game grow as much as possible. And things like Patreon are going to help all this happen for us on this very show. So if you could just check out our page, check out the tiers, we would just appreciate that. And we just appreciate any of you just listening. But if you take the next step and look, that really means a lot. All right, Amon, let's get into our main topic today. What is hello there? Yeah, I I think we should actually share like kind of how we kind of came up with the name, right? Yeah, this is this is some behind the scenes slash actually real life stuff. Then I think people that might know me and people that might know you, this is gonna this is actually gonna make a lot of sense. It's pretty simple, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll get into how Jesse and I met, but effectively mm-hmm. we were at the Las Vegas Open earlier this year, twenty twenty three, and we had both qualified for the MCP event, Marvel Crisis Protocol. 
That's and, right. You know, Jesse and I, we had a great conversation when we met at a previous event. And so we were just like, hey, we at some point, we probably have to get dinner or grab drinks. Yes. And so at some point, like it's me, you and your wife, and we're just hanging out. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I don't know why I said this, but I was like, you kind of look like Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> do you remember right. that? Yeah, I do remember that. And it's funny because that was a jumping off point for this very show and some of the things I love in Star Wars, which, you know, this is some sort of psychosocial sort of thing, but I Obi-Wan is one of my favorite characters in Star Wars, you know? Yeah. And to my downfall or to my, you know, positive route here, it is what it is. But it did start there, right? It did start with that moment. And I guess it kind of jumped us into our love of Star Wars a little bit. There's there's more bouncing off points. Yeah. And I think one of the things that really caught our interest is that I think we immediately realized we have a mutual appreciation for Star Wars and then obviously tabletop gaming because we were at a tabletop gaming convention. Yes. And we get to this point where it's like, you know, I think we started discussing, are we going to get into Shatterpoint? Because I had been teased around that time. Yeah, and definitely. I think we're both the type of people to where if we like something, it's hard for us to not talk about it publicly, right? Yeah, not create something around it too, right? Mm-hmm. Being creatives, honestly. That's 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 my biggest thing, right? That's how part of my outlet with the hobby for sure. Absolutely. I think that's that's part of my outlet for the hobby as well. And I think we were just like, should we do this? <laughs> uh, and your wife was like, yeah, great idea. Y'all should. And I, I think we just started bouncing names from there. And, and I guess we ended up on hello there. Mm, it does tie back to that first very nice compliment Amon gave me about Obi-Wan. And it is my life goal in this moment in time, and it has been for some time, to look like Ewan does in my 50s. Just keeping on that path. So doing what, well, doing what I can to do that. But Amon, it's funny because we were talking about Obi-Wan and how we love this character, but then also talking about a character that we both love on the dark side. Mm-hmm. I say this as Amon's recording with me. I have a painting behind me of the said character, Darth Maul. And it kind of like started jumping off our ideas for the show. What about the juxtaposition of Kenobi and Maul and what they represent on both sides of this conflict in this, you know, Republic era thing in Star Wars? But also, Amon really likes Darth Maul, like even more than I do. And we were thinking, this is an angle of the show we'd really like to pursue as well. No, absolutely. It it was crazy how everything kind of just fell into place and everything clicked so organically. You know, we have this epic rivalry between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Maul. That's right. They just so happen to be our two favorite characters, right? And then Pretty cool. Yeah. And then there's so much, you know, parallels and symbolism and juxtaposition that you can create from that. You have two rivals, you have red versus blue, you right. have Sith versus Jedi, light side versus dark side. It was incredible. And I think that's, that's kind of why we're here now, right? <laughs> yeah. That's a big jumping out point for the show because we are going to frame the show through a lot of these lenses of the light side, of the dark side, of kind of us being, you know, fans of these characters and maybe me channeling the Kenobi and Maul channeling and Amon channeling the Amal side you can, of things. You can call me Maul. That's fine. Yeah. It's already it's a compliment. It's already a compliment to me. I think it's going to be a really cool thing to pursue creatively on top of just creating a normal good gaming podcast, right? To have explored this avenue of the duality of the force and the game, honestly, because the game has a lot of cool features, which we're going to talk about in coming episodes, of this mixing and matching of light and dark and going pure light, pure dark, all these things, right? So it's it's a feature of the game that's also very interesting to us. And the balance of the force and the shatter point. I mean, that's a, that's a whole part of this game that is unique to the medium in general, right? Like no war game has had quite this level of a score tracker and triggering of objectives like this game has. It's exciting. I think there's one of my favorite mechanics, which we'll certainly explore deeper in future episodes, as Jesse has alluded, 
is the idea of the struggle, right? The struggle yeah. between opposing forces, between the light side and the dark side, between victory and defeat. And so I think it's a perfect element of what it means to live in the Star Wars universe and the conflict that's always there. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, it, man, this universe we love so much and the conflict is, it's more nuanced than just light and dark too, right? And there's mm-hmm. a lot in the mid and even someone like George Lucas has said this a lot, like people really do like to like make Star Wars very black and white, but it's really not that black and white. It, it's built on basis of morality of black and white, but you wouldn't have characters like Vader with this black and white thinking, right? That is not how the Star Wars universe works. There's actually a lot of duality. We're hoping to explore a lot of that, and we're going to talk a lot of Star Wars on this very show. And we're going to talk more about the show here in a bit, but let's talk about real quick who we are, Amon. If there's listeners of this show that maybe haven't caught our previous content or anything like that, who are we? What what are we about? What are our goals for the show wrapped up in our personalities and all this stuff? So my name is Jesse Aiken. I've been a tabletop gamer for a long time, 25 plus years, because I grew up in a board game household with um, an emphasis on like kind of like those classic war games, like the risks of the world and stuff. And that's kind of where I first really grabbed onto games and was like, oh, this is for me. You know, I was playing Risk and chess and, you know, Monopoly's long left behind at this point, you know, and this is when I'm a young kid. And, and then I started discovering that there was things like card games and board games built around IPs. And of course, Star Wars is my favorite IP of all time. It's always been that that spot. It's never been dethroned. And I don't know, I discovered some games like these Star Wars versions of things like Risk and stuff, these Star Wars trading card games like the Young Jedi Knight Star Wars card game back in the 90s. It was in conjunction with the release of Episode One, some of the Wizards of the Coast stuff. And then, of course, we'll get into more of our content creation history and stuff shortly. But as listeners might know that have followed me on other content over the years, I have played every FFG Star Wars game to all these to now to Shatterpoint, right? So like all the modern couple 20 year all the like modern 20 years or so of star wars miniatures games in particular and board games i have played and loved and that's been a big part of my journey as a content creator because my first podcast of ever was a star wars gaming podcast about a brand new game called imperial salt called vader's finest and that's kind of where all this journey for me started and then of course i got into star wars lore content and all that stuff and i don't know it's star wars very special and to play star wars in this like special hobby it's like a very unique mix right it's like we have this thing that everybody loves star wars like most people have heard of it in the world or love it and then but then you've got these like niche hobbies within it it's just a very unique medium of excitement and i hope we can cover that in this game so i'm on what's a little history on some of your gaming background until now because i didn't even talk about marvel crash protocol yet because we can we can cover that together yeah no absolutely i think for me gaming is Kind of came out of nowhere, actually. Okay. When I was 10 years old, which is honestly at this point, 20, 21 years ago. I mean, um, we're getting similar numbers here. Yeah. It's like yeah. 10 year old man getting excited about games. Exactly. So I walked into a games workshop when I was with my buddy and his dad was like, I don't know, running errands and we were just, just hanging out with him. And we just happened to walk into one. And I remember being completely enamored by you know, I guess at the time, which was third edition 40K, right? So we have these small, yeah, yeah. you know, metal or pewter miniatures that are like, they look really cramped, single <laughs> poses. They're all one piece. You kind of just stick in the base and you move on. Cramped. And I like that. Absolutely. And my favorite color is red. My buddy's favorite color was blue. The and so we side. just looked at like, dark side from the jump, man. And so <laughs> we look at this wall of space Marines and he's like, I want the blue ones, which are ultramarines. And I was like, well, good. Cause I want the blood angels. Right. And so <laughs> it, it kind of started there. And man, I have, 
Yeah, it's been great. It's it's been such an amazing journey. Unfortunately, like a lot of my friends I started with don't play anymore. I think they kind of grew out of it, but there's no such thing, right? And, and so I've I've played so many games. I started with 40k, got really into Middle Earth strategy battle game because you know the movies are awesome. I still want to play more of that game. I've played it a very little bit bit of it. Right behind me, I've got some ants. Good to go. I mean, yeah, I'd like to play more of that for sure. Yeah, and just from there, just going into probably one of my favorite periods of gaming ever was just playing Warhammer Fantasy, right? And that was so much fun. And then as you like continue on, I think I've just dabbled in so much War Machine. Okay. You know, we've we've talked about MCP. And what I realized is I just love creating, right? I'm a creative. We've talked about that. Yeah. And that's kind of how um, I started my podcast that still runs. It's called Path to Glory. It's the, I think at this point, the largest Warhammer Underworlds podcast currently. Yeah. Definitely. That's been just a blast. And that's when I realized that I'm a competitor. Like I love competing, right? Like I I get playing for fun, but there's always a part of me that's like, how can I win in the most obviously respectful and like fun way to win a game, right? But for me, I've always looked at things as I guess one of my favorite parts of the hobby that maybe some people don't necessarily enjoy, but I think you and I both do is the competition, right? Testing yourself making those right decisions against someone who may be even better than you or at least equal skill. No, absolutely. I think the best feature of what you just said, Amon, with the competitive part, and maybe something you and I definitely have in common, because I think competitive gets taken a lot of different ways, some positive, some negative. And I think staying on the positive side of competitive is focus on yourself and your own play and, and pushing yourself, right? It's kind of like the same as like if you're training, like at the gym or you're like you're training for running or something like that. Like I used to run a lot like marathons and stuff and it's like the sense of like there's no in my mind there was no like i'm gonna place first in my age bracket it was like i'm gonna do the best i can in my group finish never stop running you know what i mean like it's these personal goals and i think the coolest part about gaming is you can set personal goals that are like sometimes completely off meta crazy goals and then you just blow the entire game up right and that's a big part of it and my personal thing with competitive is doing the best I can personally, but doing with what I want to play. And I have to play something I want to play. And that's just my personal route I've gone. And it's worked for me in most cases. And it's because I just enjoy it so much. I'm willing to just like play it, play it, play it, play it rather than just playing like the top list and all this stuff. And I think we'll talk about some of this on the show, but it's like, I have to have a connection to either the aesthetic, the play style, both, ideally both. And then yeah, layers like Marvel and Star Wars, where it's like the lore. Okay, now there's more layers that can get behind, right? On top of the play style, on top of the aesthetic, looking at you, X-Men, right? And MCP, right? There's multiple layers of my love. And that's when I really get rolling, cooking with gas, right? I don't know. And we both have a history with this. And there's a good jumping point off to talk about MCP briefly because it's not MCP show, but we're both heavily involved in MCP right now, right? So Marvel Christ Protocol, and it's going to be kind of the sister game to Shatterpoint in a lot of ways. And I think it's an interesting point that's going to come up in our show a lot, but I have a Marvel Christ Protocol show called Fury's Finest. And I think a lot of the values in that show and the things that we try to do with our play and stuff are going to come through, I hopefully on this show where it's like positivity for the game as a whole enhance all of your gameplay, enhance the game at large when you play, and hopefully have something to kill time when you're not being able to play the game. Because my favorite part of content creators is when I can't jump into my hobby, I can jump in with these great creators and enjoy the game in a different way. I completely agree. I think for me, as someone especially who doesn't necessarily have the time to go out to my local game store as much as I used to, Mm. to be able to jump on a call and talk to you or maybe create even content with you together, I think is 
fulfills that niche for me and, and kind of scratches that itch. But I really like what you said about competitive play and playing kind of what you like. I think one of the reasons why I've been slowly moving away from Underworlds is that I have, okay. a, I have a connection with the characters in MCP. Yes. I, have a, I certainly have a connection with the characters that are slated to come out with Shatterpoint. And, you know, at the end of the day, like when I'm playing a game and like an orc gets killed, it's like, oh, it's just a, it's just a random orc, right? No, they could have a name, they could not. But when like Obi-Wan or Darth Maul or Anakin like deals amazing amounts of damage or is able to yes. tank that last hit, it, it immediately connects you to like a moment in the greater Star Wars universe where it's like, I, I remember this in this movie or the show. Perfect. And, and it's so exciting because it's like, I have a relationship with Anakin and I have a relationship with Darth Maul, with Vader. And it's so exciting. No, absolutely. And it's like, the layers go back and back and back to you because it's like on top of this lore, the story that we all grew up loving so much. And I mean, I've got a history with Star Wars games too, right? Where it's like, there's things that I've loved playing. I've had so much fun with in the past and I'm, I'm hoping that's the route Shatterpoint's going to be, you know, it's like with Vader's finest, like there was a faction in Imperial Assault called the Scum and Villainy faction that was supposed to be not really a faction. They were more like a sub faction that you splashed and everyone said they were unplayable. And me and my co-hosts were like, well, we love the bounty hunters. We love the Scum and Villainy. We love the scoundrels. We're just going to make that faction work. And then people told us we were crazy. We just played them a lot, learned them, did well at stuff. And then all of a sudden, the entire meta has changed because people are saying, oh, wait, there's another faction in the game that no one's acknowledging, right? It's so weird how we get in these echo chambers and you've got to like break it down. But really, that was not really a competitive thing. That was just my love of bounty hunters. (laughs) That's all it was. You know, it was just like, I love them. I'm going to play them. We're going to see what we can do. You know, and I think really think Shatterpoint's going to be a really positive game in that aspect where it's like with the unique list building with the various characters from seeming all over the place, which is very exciting for me as a Star Wars fanatic. I've said many times on my shows, the mix and match nature of that on top of the unique characters on top of a list characters, man, we're in an interesting spot with this game right out the gate. Absolutely. And I think one of my favorite parts about specifically Star Wars is the diversity that they have, you know, not only in the alien races, but also in like the, the human race itself, right? Like, you know, we just come back from Adapticon and, and we'll get about talk about all that in future episodes. But I just wanted to highlight specifically like Iden Versio was shown as in the preview, right? And she is a she's an Indian, originally like a Imperial pilot. Of course. You know, with an awesome, cool looking gun. And she, I guess, eventually defects to the rebels or something, but <laughs> I know our full story, mom. We can get into it, but yeah, we can talk about that at some point. But like the fact that for me, right, is like an Indian American, originally from my parents are from India, is that I got to see representation of myself on Star Wars. I haven't seen that in Marvel. I haven't seen that in Lord of the Rings. I haven't seen that necessarily in Warhammer either. And so that's for me, incredible. it's like it's it's awesome, right? And and I think that's an aspect of the game that maybe some people don't necessarily realize or overlook, but. For me, right, it's incredible. And the moment she comes out, I'm going to play her because, you know, that I see myself in her in a way. Man, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah, Janina Gavonker. Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of uh, yeah. her work and just Aiden in general because, yeah, I mean, a very well-written character, right? And then you add yeah. all these facts of representation and what she brings to the Star Wars story as a whole and the fact that AMG is already right out the gate being like, yeah, we're taking a character from a, a lead character, which is great, from a Battlefront game, which is a separate entity entirely, right? And we're just saying, yeah, she's coming out. The possibilities are endless, right? Mm-hmm. We'll get into all this in the Depthcon episode. We're trying to hold our tongues on our excitement for all that. But it's like the future is very bright for this game. 
for numerous reasons. And I think you're just kind of nailing that that's one of the primary reasons that you and I are so hyped is the representation, the swath of characters, the breadth of eras, apparently, which I'm going to tell you, Mon, I've, I've either done content or played every modern Star Wars game with miniatures or even cards in a large capacity. And no game I've seen yet has done this, has, has literally been like, oh, we're grabbing this character and put them in the miniatures slight immediately right we're grabbing like random bounty hunter devorian number three you know and he's going to be a grunt with cad bane you're like okay i'm i'm all in <laughs> yeah it's awesome i mean i think one of the coolest parts about star wars 2 is that it's not only just jedi and sith right i think that's like no the big attraction a lot of people are like that's cool the shiny lightsabers the cool battles the force but yeah. i think the heart and soul of star wars is is honestly the non sith the non um force users it is. And and that's what's really cool to me is that, you know, we'll talk about the game mechanics in the future episodes, but I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've already read and looked at some of the official announcements and the fact that there are primary characters coming out, right, who are not force users, I think is is really incredible because it's it's just fun to think yeah. about like you can be the dude or dudette with the gun. Yeah. Just 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 firing, you know? <laughs> Well, it's, it's, it's doubling down on that representation of like multiple human races, like you said, and alien races, but on top of that, like people in the galaxy that do different things, right? Like, it's not just like right at the gate. A lot of Star Wars games would be like either like full Jedi Sith or full military, just day one, you know, and that's kind of all it is. And they're making it very clear. They're going, they're just going super wide right at the gate. And it's like, what, do you want to go military? Do you want to Jedi? Do you want to go mix of the both? Do you want to go Sith? Do you want to go scoundrels? Do you want to go bounty hunters? The list goes on and on and on. I'm sure they got more surprises for us. I'm not even covering yet, right? I mean, I'm super hyped for the handmaidens, right? Like we'll talk about this later, but it's like that's a prime example of exactly what I'm talking about, where it's like that is something that has never been pursued aggressively in a Star Wars miniature game up to this point. Like, actually, like it's always Padme. It's always Padme episode two onward or episode three. And it's something, you know, it's just completely different. We've never had Queen Amidala and and like Sabi, her handmaiden, the Kira Knightley Bay, played yeah. her. And just freaking this elite guard of handmaiden, right? Which is the yeah. whole lore there. There's multiple novels in recent years about that very thing. So, man, it is super exciting. And I guess that's a good jumping off point for us to talk on about some of our favorite Star Wars characters and heroes kind of get a gauge on what we like in Star Wars. And we're just going to jump around. We're going to jump back and forth. There's no particular order. So we'll start off with, I I do love Obi-Wan. I'm obsessed with Obi-Wan, both iterations, Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor. And in fact, James Arnold Taylor as well. Like all three Obi-Wans, amazing, right? And there's a myriad of reasons I love Obi-Wan. I think the biggest reason I love the character so much First of all, he's like a fully lawful guy who's snarky. That's a, that's nice. I like that. You know, it's kind of like a Peter Parker-ish kind of guy. Following this moral code, but he's willing to ask questions a lot, right? But then on top of that, Obi Wan is so great because you know, spoilers. We haven't seen Clone Wars and stuff, and no direct spoilers here. But it's like if anyone should have gone to the dark side, it probably would have been Obi Wan, right? He's had so much tragedy, failure. Mm-hmm loss in his life numerous people he's lost numerous highly important people he's lost you know like he's lost his his master and father figure he's lost his his fiance he's lost his brother his son whatever you want to call anakin the list goes on right he's lost his entire cause he was fighting for in the entire nation of the republic that he was representing and he still never went to the dark side and he still held on to hope you know and he still was the same obi-wan 
and he and he never let that spark go out. And in fact, him doing that makes Luke and Leia grow up and become who they are and change the world, right? So there's numerous reasons I like him, mainly the portrayal of the actors, but it's like the deeper layers of Star Wars is why I like him so much. And I've got a lot of heroes I like him on, but we got to jump to you, talk about a hero that stands out to you. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I'm a big fan of, I think there is a lot of complexity with Obi-Wan, right? But I think for me, what I really enjoy is seeing someone kind of be a scoundrel, right? Or someone who is 100% not necessarily the idealistic good person and having them have like multi-layered aspects of their personality to where they're good. They're, they could be perceived as good. They can be perceived as bad, but ultimately they have these core values that they stick to. And one of those characters for me, honestly, is is Han Solo. Yeah. Like he's yeah. the OG, like he is the cool OG guy, you know, like swag. He was just so smooth and whether it was by design or by accident, he always like made it look like he planned to do it, right? And I love that. I just love the yeah overwhelming sense of confidence, the idea that you're just trying to make a living, you're just trying to survive, and you get sucked into this larger movement. You have this character growth of where you become selfish to selfless at one point. Yes. And Massive you character real, arc. It's a huge character arc. I think it's one of the coolest great character arcs mm-hmm. in, in maybe all of Star Wars. And to see him evolve and care and change his personality, but not change his core, right? Mm, I think similar good. to what Obi-Wan does is amazing. Yeah. He likes to talk a lot of smack too, and I love it. Yeah. We're, we're, we're starting this off good, Damon. We're talking top five Star Wars characters here right out the gate, honestly, because it really does come down to writing and there's a through line here with a lot of these characters and you know, Star Wars is excellent with creating amazing characters that we can latch onto this, this segment could go on forever. Right. So we'll just keep naming a couple. So while we're in this vein of leads, we'll talk about why I love Luke Skywalker. Mm. Now, some people sell Luke short and that's incorrect in my mind because Luke in the original trilogy and of course, the extended canon after that, whether it was in Legends or in modern canon, he has failed a lot. He has mm. failed a lot. And I think the I think the go-to move saying Luke is saying, oh, he's like a protagonist. Oh, he's always going to succeed. Oh, he's going to always overcome. Not the case. If you watch Empire Strikes Back, not the case, right? And that's kind of the whole point of his arc is he is so gifted because he's the son of Anakin Skywalker. But he has a lot of things to, to get over, you know, impatience, like impulsiveness, all these things. And then eventually Luke's arc is so powerful because it's like that naive, genuine love of everyone and trying to help make the universe a better place where he starts out on the farm. It evolves into this grand master Jedi, Jedi Luke in the future, starting the Jedi Academy. And that is a massive arc, you know, but it all started with a good core, you know, and that core is so powerful because Luke goes through a lot of stuff, you know, and a lot of that is like with Leia, with Han, with the rebellion, with his family, with Obi-Wan, but it's like really like a lot of that's with Vader, right? And without Luke, we couldn't have Vader's arc, which is kind of the peace de la resistance of Star Wars, right? It's the first six movies, right? Is this arc of Vader, but really it's like this power of redemption, you know, and family being able to redeem you from the darkest, most evil evil things in the entire world. And Luke is the catalyst for that, right? And without Luke, couldn't have the core of Star Wars in a lot of ways. And I, I think Luke is so powerful to people as a character because he is so good. He is so lawful, but he's failed a lot and has flaws. And I and I think people forget that. Like people just quickly were like, oh, he's just, he's flawless. He's good. He's, he's not, you know? I think something they're probably exploring in the future of Star Wars canon, Mandalorian era onward is this Jedi Master Luke. And what does that look like in this new universe, you know? And I'm really 
curious to see that because someone who grew up in the 90s, mainly reading all the Luke content I could and loving it, the Thrawn trilogy and stuff. I'm really excited to see what they do with that. So Luke's an easy plug, but also, of course, he's a staple of Star Wars. Without him, we could not have this basic first arc of Star Wars, right? That led us to the rest of Star Wars. So right, get those out of the way. <laughs> Without him, we couldn't have Star Wars, right? So Sure. And I think someone else that we, we couldn't have like without this character, there might not be no Star Wars story to begin with. Is Qui Gon? Mm-hmm. Name one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he's so good. First of all, I love Liam Neeson. Right. That's true. Amazing actor. But what I really liked about Qui Gon is again that we have this character who is a little bit rebellious. You know, he's part of this Jedi Order that's super strict, but he gets orders from the Council, and he just kind of takes them as mere suggestions rather than like orders, right? And so he's like frustrating his more like straight laced peers, even. Padawan, right? Obi-Wan at that point was like, are you sure we should be doing this master? Things like that. But he like, he gambled and banked on prophecies, right? He put his faith in things that people normally wouldn't put faith in. And, you know, he like, I think I remember like someone says like he picked up these pathetic life forms, right? Yeah. yeah. That's Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan says that. Young Obi-Wan. Got a long, lot to learn. Exactly. (laughs) And, And it ends up being like, you know, probably one of the most pivotal characters in all of Star Wars. And yeah, without Jar Jar and without Anakin, who's Obi-Wan's referring to, Naboo would not be free without Jar Jar. Yeah. And then without Anakin, we wouldn't have maybe Star Wars. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. And he, I think one of the coolest things about Qui-Gon is like, I think people realize he's severely underrated. Um, he may yes. not have, he, he was a great fighter. He learned from, I think Count Dooku was his master. Yes. yes. And Count Dooku is a consummate swordsman. And I think the fact that he able to communicate from the grave, right, is like, you're a legend. <laughs> First time ever, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Qui-Gon rules because he is a questioner at heart, right? And he saw the fall of the Jedi before it was happening, right? The Jedi had gotten very... There's a lot of issues with the Jedi that are prominently on display during the Republic area. And we'll, I'm sure we'll get on those on the show. It's part of the reason why Luke's so great, because he's taken it back to the old ways, you know, where it's like being a roaming knight, helping everyone morally, you know, and not being nested in this political feature of the world, right? Like, but Qui-Gon was already questioning all that. Like, why are we doing this? Why are we doing for the Republic? Why are we doing, you know what I mean? Like what happened? So it, yeah, absolutely. And I think on that same path and keeping with in the Shatterpoint vein a little bit, character I love is Master Plo Koon, who is, Plo is a very cool character because he is, he started out as someone who looks really cool in episode one. And then the episode, the PlayStation one game, Jedi Power Battles, which was a the character I played in that game because I just loved his look and I loved his play style and all this stuff. And he went from that to Filoni getting a hold of him in Clone Wars onward and become this fully filled out character. And what was interesting because he is kind of this, he's a little bit of Obi-Wan, he's a little bit of Qui-Gon and he's, you add a little bit more lawfulness and add a little bit more defense. Like he's a pure defense Jedi. You know, he's a very, he lives that Jedi code. You know, uh, what Yoda says, the Jedi's power comes from knowledge and defense, never from attack, you know, and Master Plo is that. And of course, the way he treats his clones and everyone in his life, he's, everyone's life is precious to him. And of course, without him, we would not have Ahsoka, right? So Master Plo is this whole sort of piece in this Republic Jedi puzzle, which we're going to cover in the show a lot. And uh, he just looks cool, man. And in Jedi Power Battles, he had a yellow saber and I'm probably painting his saber yellow because originally his saber was yellow, even his first action figure runs and stuff, until he lit his saber in episode two and George said, oh, I'll make it blue again. So it was one of those things where it's like canon was shifting at the time, but 
in those early games and books, it was yellow, and I'm real into that. So kind of also yeah. is mystique to me. So and the wolf, the wolf pack's cool. His clone squad's cool. The clone squad is very cool. Um, I think he's one of the more unique looking Jedi. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I love Kit Fisto as well. Kit Fisto as well. He's just got that awesome smile, right? <laughs> yeah, he does. But it's not why it's not the character I'm picking. Okay, um, good. I don't think you can ever pick a, like if you want to talk about different colored lightsabers without Mace, yeah. Mother Love and Windu. You know, the man. like the man. He's a he's a myth. He's a legend. I think one of my favorite things about Mace is that he. I mean, he was cool. He was unique with that lightsaber color. But I think the fact that he pushed the barriers of what a Jedi can do in terms of combos and stances, right? And he kind of mm. dipped into the Sith fighting style a little bit, not to the point where it could. Partic- like particularly sway him no but the fact of the matter was he's like i see use in this mm-hmm. we don't have to take it to the next level but it's going to make me more deadly it's going to make me um, more interesting ultimately i did think that uncharacteristically for a jedi he did show arrogance he did show some sort of haughtiness that i think ultimately led to him alienating anakin which could have that whole exchange with palpatine could have been different right yeah yeah and just his interactions with anakin as a whole right all the yeah. jedi council stuff like temple everything and so i think even though anakin was honestly the hero probably the primary hero of the you know the clone wars it's just mace windu probably thinking he's too cool for school but ultimately like you know that fight scene with with Django, yeah that's sick that's right i also think mace too is like maybe he sees a lot of himself in anakin his younger mm. self you know and i'm so glad you gave me this layup with with mace I'm on because we haven't talked about this yet on the show, but I'm a big Star Wars lore guy. I've had Star Wars podcasts in the past that were strictly dedicated to lore. The Canon Cantina is one of them. Shatterpoint, the name and the verb, I guess, in the Star Wars universe is a Star Wars force phenomenon that came from a Mace Windu book called Shatterpoint back in the prequel era. And I think AMG maybe ran with this. I have no idea. I have no sort of inside information or anything. But basically, Mace Windu was a master of the Shatterpoint, which was like a force phenomenon that was kind of like a spidey sense. It was perceiving shifts in the tide of battle coming. If there was a the master who had a really good understanding of the Shatterpoint concept of the force, they could kind of channel that, meditate, and kind of like foresee things that might happen in the battle and maybe try to help sway things. And Mace was a master of this. And so the fact that Mace has been revealed for this game, the name is the game's called Shatterpoint. I'm like, and then we learn how the the struggle works and the balance. I'm like, okay. There's some inspired artistic choices here, and I love it. And that's old canon, but it's like also like you see some of this in Clone Wars with Mace, the way he engages with his battalion and stuff. So Mace, what a great, great choice, Amon, of of a hero character. Man, there's so many great hero characters in Star Wars. I'm going to take a curveball here and throw out someone I've really fallen in love with the last several years or so immensely. It's Cassian Andor. So you talked about your love of Han. I'm talking about my love of Cassian. Cassian's like... I'm not going to say dark side Han, but he's Han who really will do what needs to be done. And he's a little less selfish than Han when we first meet Han. And he's a little bit more communally focused, right? Even though he is selfish at first. And the things that Cassian will do to get stuff done, man. Wow. <laughs> like, and to protect people he needs to, or, you know, like, and obviously we see his path all the way through Rogue One and Andor. And I'm so excited for more of that. But I have fallen in love with Cassian because he's so proficient at what he does and he speaks so little, 
And what, so when he speaks, it is so profound because you know he's going to say something that actually really matters. You know, he's not he's not a talker very much. And I don't know, there's something about Cassie and it's like that mix of like rebellion with Han, with other elements. And um, man, he's a character that I've just really fallen in love with in recent years immensely. And I'd love to see him in this game. But I mean, he's just... We're kind of landing on some of the things I love about Star Wars, which is I love that spirit of the rebellion, honestly. And that's going to come up the show a lot. So forgive me now. Yeah, I think he's another one of those characters that lives in a world of gray, right? You, you mentioned that Star Wars isn't necessarily black and white. And, and so I, I do find him one of the more compelling characters, especially in recent years. But just so you can't have all these cool heroes um, without some epic and amazing villains, right? And so. Oh, man. Star Wars has been spades. They're amazing. And I think. You know, you obviously started with Obi-Wan and, and in this section, I'm going to start out with Darth Maul, man. I think why I love Darth Maul so much is as a child. So I actually get my love for Star Wars and other sci-fi from my mother. She's huge into uh, Star Trek okay. and Star Wars. And so when episode one came out, she asked me like, hey, you want to get picked up from school early so we can watch Star Wars? And I mean, I was a kid, of course, I'm going to say, yeah, right. Of I had course. no idea of what like four, five and six were, et cetera. That's awesome. I mean, I, I did and I didn't. And we go see this movie and, and I love it. But then you see this. Yeah. Re-release in theaters. Yeah. No, no, no. Not re-release for Phantom Menace. Um, okay. Yeah. The, the first time it came out and we have this, eventually the scene where, you know, the doors open on the oh, boo. Yeah. I, I got the music in my head. Yeah. And the hooded figure and he's A, he's red which favorite color he looks cool and he has a red lightsaber but not only is it red it's double bladed and i was like this is my guy yeah this is sick um and i immediately fell in love with the character and i was at at first very disappointed (laughs) he met a very swift end but you know i think what filoni and done with clone wars i think has really made me love darth maul so much because he's like a tortured broken soul Right. And and I think that's what I really enjoy and what I've been alluding to earlier about these characters is that like they might not necessarily be evil, right? I think very few characters are necessarily pure evil in Star Wars, but they're these characters who have severe insecurities and they try to overcome it in the wrong way. And that's why mm-hmm. we see so many Sith lords or Sith Sith in general eventually either, you know, they get killed, unfortunately, or they eventually like realize the error of their ways, um, sometimes too late. And I think one of my favorite scenes with Darth Maul is actually, um, spoilers, when when he passes away. Because, yeah. you know, he finds solace in the fact that this person who he's hated and kind of made this whole object of his life is is protecting the chosen one and that the dark side and Palpatine will eventually lose because of that. But also like the the immense arrogance and cockiness that he shows, right? Like he took down Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan together. I mean, like, granted, yeah. Qui-Gon, one of the greatest, you know, warriors of his time. And like, yeah, he, what really irked me with him is he loses to Ahsoka at one point. But it's not because Ahsoka's better than him. It's just because he gets super confident and super arrogant. And that's that's what led to his downfall, right? Like, he doesn't mm. learn from his mistakes. He got cocky with Obi-Wan, started toying with him, did the same thing with Ahsoka, and they took advantage of that. And But I think when Darth Maul wants to go 10 out of 10, he's very hard. To, to mess with him. Darth Maul is also cool because of that Clone Wars canon because he's willing to, as you've already said, move away from the Sith and be done with that. Yeah. And just use the dark side as a tool to get other means done, which of course is the Shadow Collective. You know, it's mm-hmm. a whole nother thing entirely. I love the Shadow Collective. He starts an entire empire void of the Sith and Palpatine, right? So yeah. very cool. Uh, yeah, Darth Maul is top of the top for me of Star Wars villains. 
a villain I absolutely love. And there's so many, but one that I really love and I think a lot of people associate with me with my love is General Grievous. So I love hmm. this character because George Lucas loves to like those Saturday morning serials, you know, the Flash Gordons and stuff. And I feel like Grievous is like a perfect Saturday morning serial villain because he's the type of guy, he's very boastful, he's very powerful when he's winning. When he's losing, he runs away. <laughs> You know, and he also is very proud of his army. He's more he's more invested in his army than he is like necessarily his one on one combat. He's a very different type of Star Wars villain. Most Star Wars villains are kind of more self centric. You know, Palpatine, Vader, Maul, like the list goes on and on. Like they're very Grievous is more like, hey, I'm really good at this general thing. You know, I'm really good at this army thing. And on top of that, I can also take you one on one. And Grievous's backstory is so wild because. George wanted him to be the precursor to Vader in a lot of ways. He's like this organs and brain inside a robot body. You know, he's a, he's an ex warrior who was really powerful. He was even more powerful when he had his suit, right? He has full body. He was an alien race and was maimed in combat and things change. He still survived, but he got this droid suit, right? And I don't know. Grievous is one of those fun characters. I love his sort of cowardice on top of his arrogance. He's just a, he's a prime, like serialized sci-fi villain. And man, he's a menace. Like he can take a lot of people one-on-one most of the time. And the people he can't take on one-on-one, he runs away. And I definitely, I think I have a deep core memory with General Grievous because he was revealed in the Star Wars Clone Wars animation pre the Filoni CGI show, the Gindy show. Mm -hmm. With Asajj. Asajj and Grievous both were revealed in the Gindy show. Of course, Gindy of Samurai Jack fame and other shows since. And Gendy, basically, George showed them the concept art of Ventress and Grievous, and Gendy kind of went a certain way. Grievous shows up. He just like takes out like 10 Jedi, like it's nothing, and doesn't even speak, you know? And that was his introduction to the Star Wars canon and a Clone Wars actual pure animated show, no CGI. So yeah, Grievous, was, Grievous has always had a special place in my heart. And of course... We've we've already nailed two characters that are coming in Shatterpoint pretty quick, Mom, which is kind of nuts. But let's move on. You have another villain to mention while we're here because there's so many good ones in Star Wars. I feel like we're leaving out so many. Yeah, this might be a hot take because many people might not view this person to be a villain. But I think Jar Jar Binks is one of the greatest villains out there in Star Wars. He's not a villain. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. So he's a representative, you know, in the Galactic Senate, right? Of course, of course. And in this role. He encourages the Senate to grant Palpatine emergency powers, right? It's kind of his speech that kind of convinces everybody. And those powers that ultimately give him the ability to carry out the dominance as Darth Sidious, become the emperor. And in short, you know, his actions directly lead to the downfall of the Republic and the Jedi. And I think in this situation, (laughs) villains who don't realize they are villains are the most dangerous dangerous kind of villains. Okay, Jar Jar's not a villain. (laughs) He's a a fool who was manipulated by pure villainy right that's the whole point right sure he's tragic character he's a tragic character yeah that was half a jest though but like also like (laughs) he's the alternate for padme because she's gone right at this moment in time and uh he's like what do i do and palpatine's like well you know what you should do man it's 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 sad charger is a very tragic character um because yeah he's got a life of a lot of tragedy in a lot of ways and a lot of uh not having a place right in the galaxy right even with his own people right for some time yeah, Palpatine totally takes advantage of that. Notice we're not mentioning Palpatine. He is the end-all, be-all of all evil. He is the ultimate evil in Star Wars, Palpatine is. Maybe he ties directly into that Jar Jar pick of yours, Amon, because it's all about Palpatine's power there, right? All that is. Well, Palpatine's interesting. 
And yeah, I agree that he manip- manipulated Jar Jar, but you know, again, like I said, it was half jest, but also like it's pretty funny. Yeah, I watched that movie like recently. Yeah, because uh, I was just getting hyped by the Shatterpoint stuff, and I saw Same. that, and I was like, he's he's the bad guy. <laughs> he made these these clones come into being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last time we see Jar Jar, by the way, too, we'd never see him again. He was ashamed. Yeah, poor guy. Okay, you pick Jar Jar. I'm going to pick another Shatterpoint villain, and Count Dooku. Now, Count Dooku is very interesting because. He's not quite Sith either, Amon. He's not full Sith. You know, Mm-mm. he is like a Jedi that fell from the Jedi Order, still kind of held by some of the tenets of the Jedi Order, and then he kind of went a different path with it, where he was like, "Well, I need more power. I need more control. The dark side is the way to go because this is how I see the universe, and the universe needs to change." And he uses power as a count as a politician first, right? before the dark side thing. And then the dark side kind of crept in. Dooku is very interesting. Obviously we talked about how cool he is. Sir Christopher Lee playing him is obviously an apex performance, like mm. casting, right? Like that's just a whole other element. Uh, we're both massive Lord of the Rings fans too. So there's some bias, but it's also like Sir Christopher Lee was a legend. So this was all calculated, you know, and I think he's a perfect choice because he is that sort of light and dark manifest, you know, as, as an actor and his performances and Duke is just so interesting, man. And like you said, he's a master swordsman and that is very unique as well. And he's also very elegant and he likes to dress well, all these things. I like to speak to me different ways, you know, and he's just not a normal full on power dark side Sith. You know, it's just a different path he took to that route. I agree. And I think one of the more nuanced aspects of Dooku is that he is that master swordsman. I think there's mm. this there's this scene in the Clone Wars where um, he's fighting both Anakin and Obi-Wan. I think not the, f- you know, I think this is after Anakin has lost his arm and everything. And yeah, he's fighting them both. And he realizes that Anakin is this very aggressive duelist while Obi-Wan is very defensive. So when he fights Anakin, right, he like, you know, force pushes Obi-Wan, whatever, has his little moment with Anakin. He goes aggressive on Anakin because oh, wow. Anakin's weakness is defense, right? Mm. And then when he fights Obi-Wan, when you know Anakin gets moved out of the way or whatever, he goes on defense because he knows Obi-Wan is more of a defensive fighter. And I, I remember seeing that. I was thinking like, why is he doing that? And then I immediately went to Reddit and there's this whole like deep dive thread on like Dooku as this swords person. Yeah, multiple uh, styles, right? He's got the multiple lightsaber styles down. Yeah, so he's, he's great. Um, I do want to ask you a question though. Okay. Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Yeah. Darth Plagueis. You want to you talk about Plagueis? While we're uh, here? I don't know if I want to talk about Plagueis, honestly. I mean, he's like one of those guys who like kind of looms in the background, but you you, you have to wonder like how strong, how powerful was he, right? Yeah. So old canon, I know a lot about him, and now that's changed. Now he's obviously still in the canon because it's the story, right? But Plagueis is so interesting because once again, similar to Dooku, not Palpatine type characters in the sense of like, oh, the dark side's a conduit for all power, all control, all, you know what I mean? Plagueis was more like, is a little more nuanced, a little bit of deception, all this stuff, and a lot of science with him, which was kind of a weird thing. You know, it's the whole thing with his powers and stuff. But yeah, Plagueis, interesting pick. He's uh, a moon. He's a alien race, right? Very interesting looking. He looks like the, one of the guys from the uh, Confederacy, the CIS, um, but killed in his sleep by Palpatine. You know, yeah. like he was he was so powerful and he had mastered the force in a certain way and he mastered the politics of the galaxy and he trained Palpatine everything he knew and Palpatine just ran that a different direction and went a whole nother way. And yeah, we're getting all these cool Sith Lords. I'm on. I love Revan. Revan's a character that's Dude, very high that on was, my list. That was actually my pick. I was just, I was just making the, 
the 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 quote. I just thought it was perfect time for the quote for the Darth uh, Plagueis, but um, or Plagueis, depending yeah, on Plagueis. Your pronunciation. But yeah, Revan's sick. Revan's sick because once again, he lives in this kind of interim, and we're seeing a theme with like the Sith we like. Yeah, you know, we got a purple blade in one hand, red a red blade in another hand. That's just so sick, sick in itself, right? But Revan has like become a fan favorite over the years for numerous reasons, and a lot of the reasons is the nuance. He lives in kind of the middle, especially in the games that he was in. You could take different paths to go more dark side, more light side. Gave more layers to the character, right? So that's a big thing, and we'll see if Revan returns. But yeah, that's a couple of Star Wars characters. Like we, I feel like we we did, we were very responsible with our light side picks because we could have gone a lot more places. I think we could have. I mean, there, there's so many, right? Like uh, we didn't even talk about Kanan. Exactly, love Kanan. amazing character Ezra, the Mandalorians. You know, whichever ones. Um, yeah, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention I love Star Killer. I think that's nice. one of the it's one of the first games that I ever like really dive deep into um it was like back in the day when blockbuster had like the unlimited game of and course. movie rentals right course, and yeah. so over the summer and i would just crush these games in two days it was a lot of fun man because it's like Rush. you see this guy who's like vader's apprentice and you're just like whoa vader had apprentices way this is like before the inquisitors were like and all that and so he's yeah, just man. there he's doing his cool thing and then he eventually eventually becomes a good guy but also like he's incredibly powerful right there are scenes where you like are beaten up on vader which i think That's is amazing true. it's unique right and of course the fairy tale story slash the spiritual connection which i love of all this stuff where it's like sam Witwer, who plays star killer is now mm. ben maul for a That's long right. time right and he of course also plays palpatine in a lot of mediums where ian mckellen can't be afforded or are brought in right he plays palpatine like he's played palpatine on some of the shows he's played palpatine in a lot of the games like he's palpatine in battlefront right he's maul in battlefront so it's like it's a, this like cinderella story and and i mean shoot whitwer is playing maul even in modern canon he played maul's voice in star wars like solo a star wars story right that was ray park's body and mouthing the words but that was whitwer's voice right so it's like nuts just nuts stuff that's incredible yeah I guess my question for you, just to go maybe a little off script here, is like, what's your favorite Star Wars movie, if you had to pick one? Well, mine's a cookie cutter choice. I mean, because I think maybe listeners of my other show will know this, but film is one of my favorite hobbies too, like movies, films, cinema, all that stuff, all the categories that you want to call it. And so like separate of Star Wars, I just love movies. I love classic movies, new movies, all this stuff. So the meeting point of those for me, of my love of movies and my love of Star Wars is Empire Strikes Back personally now my list is very like i could go through the list you know it's it's like i know my order of love of star wars movies but empire is my personal favorite of all of them and then my personal favorite of the prequel trilogy is of course revenge of the sith i mean it's that mustafar fight it's an obi-wan movie it's but i mean yeah the mustafar fight the the drama of the movie execution movie as a whole honestly it's one of the better star wars movies like it is just very star wars right and you know in recent years, since the moment I saw it, I've just been very, very much in love with Rogue One for numerous reasons. And it's more my rebellious rebel heart. A lot of it's just like the aesthetic, the execution, the stakes of Rogue One are just very high. If any listeners that follow my previous shows and stuff know, like I'm just a massive fan of like the rebellions, like ragtag troops and fleet too. And that movie is like one of the best representations of that outside of Return of the Jedi, right? Where it's like all these different ships, 
rebel fighters, troops, all kind of banded together for a common cause. So those are like my main picks. It's kind of like Empire is my direct choice, but then like Rogue One and Revenge of the Sith are just, they're high up there for me. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I think Empire Strikes Back, it's really hard to not pick that movie as probably, it's probably the best Star Wars movie. Objectively. Best. Objectively. Yeah. I just love it. No, it's a fantastic film and there's, there's so much depth and, and, and character progression. Obsessed with Hoth to here too. So Hoth is great. I think for me though, like this might be a dark horse here, but Rogue One, right? I mean, you've talked about it, but I think that's sure. my favorite. And and there's so many reasons because you mentioned ragtag. And I think like it's this idea of these strangers coming together, bonding, building a relationship. It's, it's, it's very Tolkien-esque in a way, like fellowship. And then you have them slowly just go down, right? <laughs> One yeah, after the other. And it's, and it's, I think a part of Star Wars that needs to be explored more, and which is why I think Andor was such a big hit, is because this is what happened, right? Like you can have those amazing, flashy, yeah. cool moments, but without the people out there who are going on those one-way trips, are taking yeah. those missions that someone has to do it in order for the you know the whole rebel rebellion really to survive. And I think highlighting those characters and those stories are awesome. And and actually, one of my favorite characters, again, that movie is really big on representation as a whole. In terms 100%. of diversity, but dude, K2SO. Yeah, man. Like, such an amazing droid. Like he's an Imperial droid. He looks scary, but he's probably the most, he's the funniest machine, funniest droid out there. Like yeah, he's comedically dry. I mean, I think it's Alan Tudyk who voices him. It is him. Alan, yeah. And it's it's such a- He was on set wearing the stilts. Yeah. Like he was up, up high in that thing doing that work, man. I mean, that's that's impressive. Dude, yeah, and like, you know, again, spoilers, sorry, but like his death scene, right? It's like, if anything, it was almost, it was more impactful than some of the actual organic death scenes, right? People That's dying, true. the human the human element, like when he, when he got killed, I was just watching, I remember in the theater thinking like, no, not him, you know, like, and, and that's before you realize that everybody's going to, you know, but uh, oh, gosh. I love, what a movie. I love Rogue One, so good. Yeah, when K2 says climb, that was not lost on me when I watched Andor. No spoilers, but there was a, a very important scene, someone screaming climb. And I was like, oh, they're they're doing that Star Wars poetry thing. I see it. I feel it. I feel it double now in a different way. And um, so, yeah, it's as he's dying, right? Uh, K2's saying climb. Yeah, I love K2 so much. He's very high on my character list. And uh, I would be remiss not to mention my absolute love and how much I adore princess Leia and how that's been a bonding agent for me and my wife. And then of course I have a daughter. She's just like the female lead in a lot of ways. And I don't know, without princess Leia, we'd not have the rebellion. (laughs) So, I mean, it's one of those things like she's an amazing character. And once again, character with flaws, character with strengths and weaknesses and come on, man, that, that Han Luke Leia dynamic like it's just like out of this world, right? And that's there's a reason like why it's it works so well. It's all these actors bringing different stuff to the table on top of the writing, right? No character had been portrayed like Leia up to that point in film mm. and, and in TV mediums. You know, like she she's literally like shooting the garbage chute and throwing Han and Luke in and saying, you know, get moving. You know, like that was some early wave powerful feminism, and it's it's very refreshing to see her return and canon again in different ways you know in the modern canon and stuff so very powerful character rebellion man you know rebellions are built on hope you know we talk about this a lot absolutely good good choice with rogue one good choice with empire because i think another reason a through line with these movies why we love them is the heroes lose in these movies 
and it's more dramatic. There's more character growth. It's kind of powerful to watch. It's also kind of hard to watch the heroes mm-hmm. lose. You know, I mean, I, I, one of my Luke spiel earlier, most of Luke's biggest failures are in Empire, right? And it, it makes him a compelling character. Han and, Han and Leia fail massively in this film. You know, I mean, there's a lot that happens in Empire and there's a lot that happens in Rogue One, but it's dominoes leading to the light side winning eventually, right? Yeah. I mean, even Lando. Lando fails too as a friend. I love Lando, but Lando definitely loses his friend and it hurts him. It hurts him, you know? He didn't want to be in that position. But we're going to talk more Star Wars lore in the future. And quickly, like closing out our episode here, Iman, like Shatterpoint, it's like, what is something right out the gate we can tell the listeners? You've already said we're going to allude to more, we're going to dive into more rules, more character centric content in the future. Hope and provide a lot of lore and characters and stuff on the shows that goes on. We'll cover that. But like, what's something that's really speaking to you about Shatterpoint and why are we doing this show? Like, what's something, what's a couple of features of the game that are really working for you right now? Yeah, great question. I mentioned this earlier. I think the struggle tracker is a okay. great mechanic and it speeds up as the it game does, is going yeah. on. Yeah. You know, as certain things happen in the game, as events occur, as characters get injured or wounded, um, there can be benefits one way or the other. And the scales can tip in either player's favor. I like that the game is is candidly like almost like a best two out of three in that sense. You have to win, you know, like two struggles. And, you know, you can win one, Jesse, I can win the next one. Okay. And then it gets really tight towards the third one. It's like, you know, either one of us can take this game is the force with you or me, right? And, and that's what's cool. Another aspect is the damage tree. I think it's a very unique take on the way damage and abilities can be expressed in miniature wargaming. The fact that, you know, I, I get to play as Anakin in the demo and Anakin can hit you and his first damage is like, his first tree is dealing two or three damage if it gets through, right? My goodness. It's amazing. It's not just one. It's Anakin is because it's Anakin, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then if you, the damage trees kind of correlate and correspond directly with stances. And so primary okay. characters have multiple stances so they can, Maybe for Obi-Wan, maybe more defensive or more attacky is what I'm assuming. And in that situation with Anakin, like there was one, I was looking at the other side of his card and okay. one of the damage trees was more control-esque. There was still damage to be done because ultimately, you know, it's Anakin. A lot of those pushes and stuff. Pushes, control type aspects. Some other characters can put on conditions. And I think it's a really good way of character design and expression because in other games, it's just dealing damage. But in this situation, it's like, oh, this person might be hypothetically using a sniper rifle. So they're probably going to do something that affects you negatively, right? The way that that weapon would work. I think that's what I'm really excited about, honestly. What about you? So you said the balance, the struggle with the balance of the force and stuff and the scoring, and of course, winning the struggles to win the game and the damage trees. Okay, so I'm right there with you on both those points. Like those are both unique and different for this game, you know, which is absolutely phenomenal. I think, I'll, but I'll obviously go a different route to cover more of our bases here. And I think the lower model count is oh, a yeah. high point for me. So I didn't mention on the show yet because, you know, more of this is going to come up on our shows, but it's like being someone who played a ton of Star Wars Legion, a ton of Star Wars Imperial Assault, Star Wars X Wing, Star Wars Armada. Like model count, it's an important aspect of all these different games in different ways, right? Higher or lower, right? And what, where are we at? And so the, the, the fact that Shatterpoint's like, six to eight or maybe nine models i don't know we'll see where out they go but it's like it's really like you know a primary a secondary two supports primary secondary two supports like it's very simple you know the the two groups within your squad as a whole right and that's very appealing to me uh, as a hobbyist 
as someone doing this show, uh, we can really dive more into the lore of, for instance, someone like Commander Cody, right? Who's we've been previewed for this game as a secondary to Obi-Wan. It makes it more interesting in a myriad of ways, like less time to paint. Okay, that's that's fine. That's great. But more like I can enjoy playing someone like Commander Cody even more than I could in a game like Star Wars Legion, right? Where it's like I've got 30 or 40 models, right? This is like I've got Obi-Wan, Cody, and two 212 troopers, right? And that particular squad. So I'm already more attached to the minis in a, in a spiritual way, but also like as a gameplay way and how they play. And that is very high on the list for me. And I'll jump right off that point and talk about the minis. Okay, so Shatterpoint made an active decision to be the first Star Wars game in the scale ever. Also, the first Star Wars game to take an artistic approach to the minis and not be fully cinematic canon with the look, right? Like with the way the actors and, and droids and stuff look, they're leaning more on that Clone Wars style that's kind of that inspired angular watercolor space you know and even the rebel space as well and i am super into both of those features of the models if that makes sense like the fact that i can get more invested in my characters and the fact that they look so different and are larger models as a whole than any star wars games ever existed wizards of the coast pretty small legion a little bit bigger this is much bigger this is like you know mcp scale or bigger right is what we've been led to believe so with playing the models and the demos and stuff so that's all wins for me because I'm getting more Star Wars flavor out of it. Yeah, I think that's one of the coolest part about Star Wars is that you have this, for lack of a better term, heroic scale miniatures where yes. the emphasis is on the characters, right? Yeah. You know, Legion is a game where you have the large scale elements and battles. But I think what Shatterpoint is encapsulating really well is the fact that, yeah, there might be this wider battle happening around me. But in this specific moment, in this Shatterpoint, in this nexus of events, there are these key characters that look and feel and play like they do in the in the the lore and the shows and the movies and it's really cool to see some really cool matchups that might not necessarily have ever existed like will mace windu like beat darth maul right in combat that's cool i've always thought about that like it's amazing that you get to create your own narrative because you know like i don't know if star wars necessarily corresponds to like a multiverse like idea but like this is the closest we're going to get right 100% it's so cool. It lets you be creative too, right? With your list building. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like you could really pair up some unlikely duos, right? With primaries on your teams. That's something we're going to do in future episodes. Like we're really holding back here because we're going to dive into these mechanics more as AMG gives them. And we deep dive deep into these blogs and these demos. But it's like no Star Wars game has ever done this either, where they've done kind of the mixing of the light and the dark, the mixing of the eras. It's like they're coming out it's a one-two punch, you know, like most Star Wars games are like, okay, you're fixed in an era with your army and you're fixed on the white side or something, or maybe you can bring in some bounty hunters or something. That's about it. You know? And this game is saying, nah, just kind of do what you want. Follow a couple guideline rules and get creative, have fun. You might benefit or not benefit from that, but either way, you're going to try something new. And I love that because I mean, like you said earlier, Star Wars really is about the lived in universe, this kind of Western world. And a lot of Star Wars is like the bounty hunters, is the scoundrels and stuff. So like it makes perfect sense we can just kind of mix some ragtag teams. Yeah, why wouldn't Anakin work with Cad Bane or something, right? If you really want to. I'm sure there's a scenario in which they probably have had to, right? Yeah, actually, in fact, there is <laughs> some Clone Wars stuff. Obi-Wan and Cad Bane, at least in particular. And you could completely take an adjacent line between that and why wouldn't Anakin, you know? So yeah, 
that's very fun. It's going to open up more gameplay mechanics and also going to make the game just more replayable. Absolutely. And I, and I think there's a benefit of, of going both ways, right? Like if you ever mm. want to see what it would look like if Anakin had to fight alongside some battle droids, you can. I mean, you can create That's your cool. own lore. Like did did they reprogram them? Did R2 fry their circuits? Like, you know, someone reprograms or something. But I think mm-hmm. the idea here is that it's cool to maybe see what that could look like. But then there's also incentives to just go with theme, right? Like, again, during the demo, like, I got to activate Commander Rex. Commander Rex has an ability that, like, lets him move a clone trooper. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The units have these keywords at the bottom, right? And so, if I play Commander Rex with a droid, he's not going to be able to use part of his kit. But, Mm. you know, that's the sacrifice that you make for the rule of cool or creating your own narrative, which... I love that they allowed us to do that as someone who is like a competitively minded person. Yeah. Probably never going to do that, right? Unless it's like a demo game or something. But but inadvertently, the cool part of that, what you're telling me with these keywords is like, oh, Rex is in that side of your squad. Obi-Wan is 212th on the other side of your squad. Well, that means Rex has synergy with the 212th clones, which are not part of his squadron of the 501st clones. Very cool. I mean, it's like, they're kind of like, there is a lot of future proofing they're doing, it seems like. Yeah, it's exciting. It's it's amazing, and I cannot wait to play more Shatterpoint. Yeah, man. I'm all about it, and the show's going to help keep us excited about it and keep the listeners excited about it, and I don't know. we got a lot of places we're going to go. Yeah, and I think we got a lot of the lore out of the way on this episode uh, because for I think- now. For now. For now, exactly. Till we do like a deep dive episode on like a character, right? And we might do some of the, you and I have talked off mic and on mic and stuff at this point, point. it's like, you know, we might do this on this very show, some deep dives on a character box like what does it look like to play obi-wan cody and his clones and maybe some lore behind that and stuff and that's something we're we're gonna dive into when we get there so we hope you guys go on that journey with us absolutely can't wait so as we mentioned earlier we do have a patreon you can look it up at patreon.com slash hello there cast um, we would love if you could support us and embark on this journey with us in this galaxy far far away in this tabletop far far away right we're so excited <laughs> to to create content for this game. And I think that, you know, Jesse and I, we have very high standards uh, and, and lofty goals and expectations and the support that we get from our community will help us hit those goals and get there. So if you want to join us on this ride, that'd be great. And we can hit that hyperdrive or hyperspace together, right? Yeah. And get added right in our discord community, which we're building right now from the ground up. So you'd be a core member of the discord and get this community going, you know, because this game is in its infancy. It's not even out yet. What a perfect time to like start building community. And that's our goal. Of course, you can find us online in several spaces. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch at HelloTheirCast. You can email us at HelloTheirCast at gmail.com. And like Amon said earlier, if you can leave us reviews on your podcast platform of choice, it really helps us out. But of course, Spotify and Apple Podcasts are very high in the list because they are the front runners of the world. So if you can leave us five-star reviews on there and even write something, it helps people find the show, kind of build this Shatterpoint community from the ground up because you know we're right in its infancy and help spread the word and get this game out there to the people because I think this game is really going to speak to a lot of people in a lot of different ways and we want to help facilitate that. Absolutely. And also, I just want to give a huge shout out to Lofiel for our show's music. It's very exciting. I hope you love it. I think we got some bangers. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and of course, I'm going to give a shout out to Closed on Sundays because we got two different musicians doing our music. So we really appreciate these artists doing some stuff that kind of fit right in our Kenobi Mall vibe. And um, I'm really happy the way it turned out. I'm on and I found some uh, some clips and then we got we got in a space we like. So I'm very happy about it. Absolutely. Of course, you can find us online on different places and, you know, 
we'll shout these out every time. And we mentioned some of these at the top of the show, but of course you can find me, Jesse, different places. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Longshanks, all at Jesse Aiken. That's of course, J-S-S-E-E-A-K-I-N. And I have a show about Marvel Christ Protocol called Fury's Finest. And if you might be here from that feed, and I really appreciate it. And if you're not here from that feed, if you're interested in Marvel Christ Protocol at all, or maybe the Marvel Universe, check out Fury's Finest. Amon, where can everyone find you? Yeah, so I unfortunately don't have the same name <laughs> on all of my social media, but uh, you can find me on Twitter at Amon the Wargamer. Um, that's where I talk about a lot of just wargaming nice. in general. Thank you. Instagram, not there yet, but we'll probably have to do something about that. And I'm not. I don't know my Longshank's name, <laughs> but uh, probably your name, right? Is it, it just- it, yeah, it's just Amon Kusro. It's A M A N K H U S R O. And of course, in the discords. I'm hoping that Shatterpoint will kind of follow in the MCP AMG footsteps and Longshank's kind of be the main medium of statistics, tournaments, et cetera, et cetera. And so start following it now. You know, if maybe if you're new to Shatterpoint, I encourage you to make a Longshank's account and kind of get, get ready. No, it genuinely has worked amazing for MCP, and it's an incredible system, and I highly support supporting them, even if you can do it, give them like the small amount a month just to get more statistics and stuff. And I think Shatterpoint might go on Longshanks. You never know. Never know. But but if we if you ever get on Longshanks, you know, expect to see me and Jesse's names up there on those leaderboards because we're, we're coming. We're coming for it. <laughs> there it is. Thanks, Amon. There it is. Yeah. So the pressure, good pressure. It's good pressure. The force is strong with us, Jesse. Of course. And we appreciate you guys just like following us on any of those spaces and hearing what we have to say about the game and, you know, things we're doing. And we're planning on doing a lot for this game. So follow us to those places and follow along. Of course, this has been a fun episode I'm on. I'm super hyped to have episode one out of the way. Of course, we had our preview episode a little bit back. And then we have this episode on the world. Next episode, we're just diving into the game. Like mm-hmm. this was kind of getting to know us and our love of Star Wars kind of just hang. Next episodes, we're just really diving into the game and AMG's given us a lot to chew on. So we got a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Yeah. And and it was exciting to get some of those reveals from Adepticon. We had that panel. <sighs> amazing, amazing stuff. And and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do that deep dive and I think it's gonna really I don't know. It's just it's gonna be exciting. And I, I can't wait. Absolutely, I'm right there with you, my friend. So we hope you guys subscribe to the show. And if you didn't, please do so you get to catch our next episode, which will be very shortly. Until next time, may the force be with you. But remember, the dark side is always with you. <laughs>